I'm Sam, and this is the Illegitimate Scholar Podcast, a weekly dissident cultural anthropology podcast that asks social studies questions not permitted by mainstream academia. Here we make sense of the senseless construction of the world crafted by modern humanities. Remember, you are human. So today we're going to talk about obesity and fat culture in the United States and across the Western world and basically anybody who accepts the Western diet. The obesity rate amongst adults in the United States was 13.4% in 1960. It's about one in eight people. And in 2020, the obesity rate is 42.4%. Over that 1960 to 2020, that's 60 years. In that 60 years, that's less than one person's lifetime. One in eight versus almost one in two. A lot of things are changed. We're going to talk about that today. The fat acceptance movement is wild. I uh, looked into it, so we're going to talk about it. Imagine in your head what you think they are, and that's probably pretty close. It started in the 1960s. We'll talk about the details. We're going to talk about influences of the food industry and the incentives inherent in the system. We're going to talk a lot about Michael Pollan's book, In Defense of Food. It's a very good book that I recommend. We're going to talk about food cultures. And then we're going to talk about what we can do. There's a lot of negative aspects to the collective weight of our country being massive. And it's not just the U.S., okay? Mexico, Canada, the U.K., France, China, lots of countries that adopt the Western diet to certain extents um, get extraordinarily fat. So this is both on YouTube and podcast. If you're on one, check out the other. I'd appreciate it if you took a moment to like the video and subscribe or rate and follow, which helps me out and shows them that you like my content. To start, I'm going to go over an interview to show you how these people think. I'm fat because I drink too much red wine and I don't exercise enough. That's not true. You're not fat because of what you eat and how much exercise you do. That is the line that everybody is led to believe. Obviously, you are fat because of your lifestyle. Okay. I mean, people didn't used to be fat, almost anybody, 150 years ago. Okay. You, you can do things to control your lifestyle and to control your weight. But if people believe this, if they believe that they have no input on it, then they know that they don't have the power. They think that they know. So they know. Perception is reality. They perceive that they know that they can't gain weight. So this is an attitude that I, that I want people to be paying attention to. You do whatever you want when you're listening to the podcast, but they know they do not have the power to do anything about their weight. So they don't, I guess. Um, and I think that that's a bad attitude to have. Let's continue you now and ran up and down Leicester Square for three hours and then went home and had a piece of lettuce and then came in and did the same tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. I would start to look like a supermodel. Only for a few months and then you would stop. In fact, you would start regaining weight within the first year. That is a fact. That's not fiction. That is a absolute fact. So obviously this is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not a fact. It's this speaks to something else. It speaks to when someone reads a study, even a social studies study, a social science study, that's not like a physics paper or something. They believe that it's infallible truth, and that's not true. It's not true that it's infallible truth because there's human involvement in it, okay? They can, they, there are issues with the testing, but what this woman is alluding to is that in, there have been studies where people do that it doesn't matter what you do for a diet, you will fall back into your old weight. And that's because of lifestyle. It's not because it's impossible to keep the weight off. It's because if you diet without changing your lifestyle, it's not going to do anything because you're going to go back to it if you don't continue that diet forever because you need to change your lifestyle. But again, it's a defeatist attitude, unfortunately. They don't live a daily life that supports this. You, you couldn't be fat 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago. You couldn't be fat in a lot of places in the world even 50 years ago um, because 
there wasn't enough food and people had to work and they had to work physically and they had to work outside and and their endocrine systems were working and burning calories. And now people sit in chairs and they don't get outside. They don't get exercise. They eat processed crap that doesn't satiate them, but gives them all these empty calories. So they keep eating more. It's not natural. Oh, I'm already mad. I'm already getting mad. Oh, Andrew's going to love this. You work at a desk and you eat the Western diet. You're kind of screwed. You have to, you have to make your lifestyle you have to work really hard to do it. Whereas in the past, most people's lifestyles just led them to this. It just, they just led them to living a healthy life because of what they eat being just what's around them and, and a food culture, having a food culture, but more on that later. And there is literally no evidence that weight loss is going to benefit anybody's health, whether they're a child or an adult. Come on, man. This is where it really starts to get me because they're talking about kids. They want, they think it's okay that kids are obese. They're not giving these kids a chance because if you're Fat as a child, it's way harder. And yes, this is shown in statistics, but it's because of the culture. It's because of the lifestyle. If you're fat as a child, those are the habits that you know. If you believe it's impossible, you won't make the changes necessary, but there are changes that you can make. So if you're listening to this and you're fat, please don't take this attitude. It's okay that you're fat in the sense that you shouldn't hate yourself. You should love yourself and you should accept yourself. And that is why... You should lose the weight so that you feel better and that you're, you're eating things that are connect you to humanity, that, that don't make you feel like crap, that don't make you feel lethargic, that don't make you extra weight that isn't fun to walk around. Like, don't you like taking deep breaths? Don't you like not being winded as you walk up the stairs? I digress. I'm willing to stake my medical career on the okay. fact that you are, that the lies that we've been sold about obesity, especially childhood obesity, are not true. They are there to benefit the weight loss industry. The weight loss industry is small. And I'm not saying there's not bad actors in it because there's bad actors everywhere trying to make a quick buck. The processed food industry is much larger. They're a massive lobby. They give so much money. We're going to talk about some specific examples in a minute, but they give a lot, a lot of money towards funding this. Up to 98% of people that attempt weight loss will have regained all the weight within five years. Evidence is very clear. Up to 98% of people that attempt weight loss will have regained all the weight within five years. That's her evidence on why it's a fact. That is seriously her evidence. Yes. Because they don't make a lifestyle change. I'm beating a dead horse. Second thing, this idea that energy in and energy out and energy... This woman doesn't believe in physics. This is probably the same type of people who wants you to trust the science and whatever. And she doesn't believe in physics. I understand it's more com complicated than calories in, calories out. But really, it's not. Because yes, you have a metabolism and your body might burn more calories, but you can do things to make your body burn more calories, passively and actively. How do you explain like Civil War POW camps or like people in the Holocaust? Do you think they wanted to be emaciatedly skinny? Do you, don't you think you, they wished that they could like take energy out of the air somehow? Like, no, that was, that's real, dude. What are you, okay, I'm mad. I digress. I got to chill out. All right. Whew. It's a socialization nonsense. It's socialization nonsense. It's that this is the information that's taught by the experts. And sometimes the experts are funded by nefarious actors and all this, this stuff. But she believes she's right. She probably has a PhD in something. She's talking about a medical license. She's probably a dietitian, unfortunately. America's got a fat culture. Okay, we said it before. That stat, it was from the CDC. The obesity rate amongst adults in the U.S., 13.4% in 1960. 42.4% today. Obesity rate, 1960, but in 1999 was 27.3%. 2022, 42.4%. Big increase, 15%. 2023, 
diabetes, stroke, heart disease, all up. All of these indicators are up. And that was 2020. And as far as I know, it's gotten worse since the pandemic, of course, because people are sitting at home. Again, lifestyle change. Lifestyle change can make it worse. It can make it better. Soon we're going to be those fat people rolling around like Wally. Just just blobs of amorphousness. Just, just big gulp. Watching the latest Marvel movie. God damn it, I... Oh, I hate the world. Okay, I don't. I love the world. Love all you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, okay, fat acceptance movement. So I don't want to mock these people. I don't want to make fun of them. Okay, I, I really don't. I, I don't want to be mean or cruel. But I'm just going to read. I'm going to read some quotes from first a Time article and then from two websites from fat acceptance groups. Okay, so when, this is from the Time article. When hippies started staging be-ins to protest the Vietnam War, the first fat activists co-opted the idea. They staged their own event in New York City's Central Park, dubbed it a fat inn, a fat inn, and ate ice cream while burning posters of uber-thin model Twiggy. Taking their cue from the radical left, several West Coast members split from the N, this is the anti-fat hate group, and in 1972 founded the Fat Underground, which espoused, without irony, the belief that social pressure and overwhelming medical opinion were perpetuating a campaign of genocide against fat people. The radicalism was short-lived. Fat Underground never totaled more than a handful of people and was more of a nuisance than an actual threat. Members gave speeches and harassed weight loss groups, but never resorted to actual violence. Peggy Howell says her group doesn't encourage anyone to lead an unhealthy lifestyle, but recognizes that for some people weight loss isn't possible. We don't encourage people to get fat, Howell says. A 2008 Yale University study suggests weight discrimination is now as prevalent as race or gender discrimination, a trend Howell says is unacceptable. As a citizen of the U.S., just because I carry more weight on my back doesn't mean I should have any fewer rights than anyone else, she maintains. Okay, I actually agree with that. She's right. I mean, she's, she's right that she should not face discrimination and she should not be facing negative attitudes because of her weight. I mean, people should not be treating you negatively in public because of this. However, it, I don't think that it should be, you know, protected under the same laws. I have a lot of thoughts on those laws, but New York just signed, New York state or city just, just made being fat an actual category within like race, gender for something you can't discriminate against. And I don't think that you should be able to discriminate against people, but I also think that society should have a level of shame and, and should shame people. It shouldn't treat them poorly, but like, you know, shame is a really negative word, but like shame in the sense that it's like, hey, you know, I'm disappointed in this action that you're doing. Out of love in the sense that, you know, when people are fat, they die earlier. It causes problems for all of society. They're not living as happy of a life. And they might say they are, and I get that, but I don't want to live in a society that encourages this. I don't want to treat people poorly. I don't want to treat people like they're less than human or, or less than me because they're, they have more weight on their body. I, I understand that. But at the same time, I don't think that it should be acceptable in the sense that it shouldn't be promoted and it shouldn't be something that is normalized in the way that it is. 
but effectively it becomes normalized when it's 42% of people in the country are obese. So what are you going to do? So this is from the NAAFA website. I think it's the National Association for the Advancement of Fat something. Um, We envision a culture where all fat people are free, celebrated, and liberated from every form of oppression. Oppression is a strong word here, I think. That's why I shared that. Um, All fat people face weight stigma. Fat people who also represent other marginalized identities are disproportionately impacted by anti-fatness. In addition to the challenges they face because of other biases and oppression in our culture. Learn more about intersectionality here. And again, this is just demonstrating, you know, what type of movement this is. Because I was kind of amazed that it was, I shouldn't have been surprised, but that it's tied into these other civil rights movements. I mean, this website was directly linked to BLM, BLM messages, talking about anti-blackness. And, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying they're connected. Um, I mean, personally, I think. As far as the organization and the leadership of BLM, obviously, they suck. They're bad. <laughs> but, like, the phrase itself is not, and, and most people using the phrase, I, I think, are, are well-meaning, and essentially, I agree with them. Um, but I digress. If you think I'm a lib, yeah, whatever, sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. Some more people here. Okay, so these people are connected to huge institutions, New York Times, Huffington Post. Links are in the Discord if you want to check them out. Um, it goes without saying, don't harass these people because I'm going to be reading their, their bios. I know you guys wouldn't do that, but just, just don't, obviously. These are, these are people. Um, but they are connected to huge institutions. And I think that's important because it, it shows that these are promoted by our culture. They're promoted by the news media, the, the big names, the New York Times, Huffington Post. They're promoted by... Um, there's other ones in here. I mean, you can go and read them. It's, it's wild, but I'm going to read some selections. So Tigris championed an intersectional approach to fighting anti-fatness through education, advocacy, and support. Tigris founded Full Figure Entertainment in 2008 in Oakland, California. It sounds like a stripper thing. Um, I didn't look into it. It probably isn't. And co-founded the PHX Fat Force in Arizona in 2019. It's a cool name. Tigris is a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, parentheses, Jedi consultant and educator whose clients have ranged from major tech companies to small nonprofits. Why are major tech companies hiring people like this? This is scary that the major institutions in our our country are promoting these ideas. Oh, God. Um... She is a two-time women's college graduate with a BA in Black Studies from Smith College, which is an all-women's college in New England, extraordinarily leftist, and an MFA, Master of Fine Arts, in Creative Writing from Mills College, which I'm not familiar with. Christina is a super fat, and again, I am reading, I am, these are quotes from the website. I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to, again, these are people, do not, I'm sorry, I don't want to be mean. Um... I'm sure that I could have plenty of normal conversations with these people on common ground, but I just want to show the language that's being used because this is crazy. I I, I hope you guys like this because I like it. I think it's very interesting, Um, especially when they're connected to the New York Times and to these big colleges and and huge tech companies. It's it's so bizarre. It's, It's so outside like my normal life, but 
I digress. Why is this happening? It's all DEI stuff, man. Like who? <sighs> Christina is a super fat, black, and disabled creative problem solver who is passionate about equity, inclusion, and intersectional fat liberation. I didn't type this guy's name, but he currently co-hosts the Big Fat Gay podcast, which discusses the issues that fat people and their admirers face in relationships, media, and society. Eh, that's probably fun. It's obviously, it's obviously not for me, but um, you know, I'm sure that's a fun thing to do. So this, this is the next website. This one is the Association for Size Diversity and Health. Veronica, a registered dietitian, certified culinarian, and aspiring death doula. Death doula. Veronica has been featured in Self, Teen Vogue, Blavity, Black Enterprise, Condé Nost Traveler, Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, Huffington Post, Marie France, The New York Times, and Travel Noir. Veronica received her bachelor's degree in nutritional science from Howard University, um, HBCU, her master's degree in nutrition education from Columbia University, Ivy League, Poncho is a PhD fellow under the South African Research Chair in Science Communication at Stellenbosch University. Her research focuses on the public communication of obesity, research, and the discursive narratives underlying the scientific mass media and public policy texts, particularly concerning black women. Poncho spearheaded the free to bleed hashtag free to bleed campaign, which advocated for free menstrual products for learners who menstruate in South Africa. I just want to be clear. I, I had to read this over once. She it's not about free bleeding, which is like that hippie thing where they just bleed everywhere, which is absolutely disgusting because it's blood. I understand it's not gross because it's blood from an orifice. It's disgusting because it's blood in general. It's a biohazard. But what she's doing is getting free menstrual products for women, which is a positive thing, in my opinion. Um, I shared it, though, because learners who menstruate is a crazy thing to say to me. Um, it's women. Okay. Uh, Deshaun is a black, fat, queer, and trans theorist and abolitionist in Atlanta, Georgia. Deshaun is the award-winning author of Belly of the Beast, The Politics of Anti-Fatness as Anti-Blackness, pretty dope name, to be honest, which won the 2022 Lambda Literary Award for Transgender Nonfiction and lectures on blackness, queerness, gender, fatness, disabilities, and their intersections. Angel, parentheses, she, her, is the black infini-fat and disabled founder of Sacred Space for Fat Bodies. She is dedicated to the creation of and increased access to self-care experiences for super fat and infinity fat people. I, I don't know what that means. Um, especially those who are black, disabled, members of the LGBTQIA2S plus community, indigenous, Latine, Asian or members of other groups who exist at myriad intersections and who are substantially marginalized. Whew. Whew. Someone give me a medal. I read it all. Yeah, I got through those words, brother. Words. All right. Jeez. Whew. Okay, I hope you guys got something out of that. They're like, tell me if you didn't like it. But I think that was just a, a peek into the freaking woods, man. Like, that was some crazy stuff. 
reading that. And again, not them. Like, look, they're, they're people. They're living their life. But this is the background of this is the that there's people behind these organizations. Those are the people. Those are the descriptions of the people on their own website. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, being fat is not a good thing. It's okay if you're fat. I want to support you as an individual. You are not your body. You're not your brain. You're not any of that. Your your soul is separate from all this. Okay, so like, look, the body you want you, the body should belong to the mind, not the other way around. I don't mean brain. I mean mind, mind, soul, whatever you want to call it. That's not the brain. Your body should do what your mind tells it to. And if your body is all fat and pudgy, I know you don't feel that good because I've been there at different levels of working out. I'm not in great shape right now, but you should at least continue to aspire to be and make lifestyle changes and listen to your body on what makes it feel better. Not like doing heroin, but like exercising, being outside, you know, hanging out with the sun, getting your, getting your bare feet, step on the grass, but just don't do this. Don't, don't, don't take the easy way out and be like, yeah, there's a lot of fat people around and it's normalized. So it's okay if I'm fat. It's not, it's not okay. You don't just don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to your family. Like you're shortening your life, man. And there's other things that you can do to shorten your life. And if you're doing those, like I probably stop doing them. Uh, like, unless you really get it, unless that's really, you don't care and it's worth it to you. But it's in this case, it's not, it shouldn't be. All right, man. Michael Pollan in defense of food. So, a rise of nutritionism, the ideology that food should be eaten for its individual nutrients has led to the decline of our health and the rise of diet-related diseases. Pollen proposes a simple solution, eat food, and that means actual whole foods, not too much, as in not too large portions, and mostly plants. That's his advice. That's what you should do. Now we're going to get into specifics, but if you take one thing away from this, Eat real food, not processed crap. I should take my own advice and Pollen's advice because I love processed crap. But I got to eat fruit because I do like the way it tastes. Shout out, Bog Beef. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Mostly plants. Okay, you're supposed to eat mostly plants. I get it, fruits and vegetables. Get your meat in there too. That's my opinion. You don't have to, but I like the meat. I'm not going to stop eating the meat. Talk about corporate influence. The food industry is an industry. Okay, it's, it's one of many industries. It lives on industrial processes, and its goal is to make money. I understand they make food, but these corporations are, are structured in a very similar way. So whether they're making bullets, whether they're making Care Bears, or whether they're making food, they still function in a very similar way because of the way that corporations are structured in general with a profit motive. And they um, lobby the government $38.2 million dollars. Every year, they're one of the top 25 industries that lobbies the U.S. government. Um, in the 1960s, the sugar industry funded research that downplayed the link between sugar consumption and heart disease so they could sell more sugar products, sugar being something that was very easy to be mass-produced and processed. The food industry lobbied the U.S. government to prevent the introduction of a tax on sugary drinks in 2016 because that would hurt sales. Even though that would be good for the country, and you know people have mixed thoughts about that and freedom and whatever, but in my opinion, is behavioral economics, you want people to drink less sugary products. It's also, excuse me, a cost. It's a cost to the regular consumer, to the regular taxpayer because it gets passed on in health crises, and it's it's better for everybody. Like the food industry lobbies 
for supplements and, and all these things. And they're able to advertise and they're able to sell their crap and they, they lobby a lot. So it's just a little bit of fighting back to put a tax on sugary drinks. And yes, I get it. It's going to hit the poor the most, but maybe it should. Maybe if you're poor and you're drinking a bunch of sugary drinks, that's the kick in the ass you need to pick up something that's healthier. And maybe they should also supplement other healthier options. I don't know. But really, I'm just willing to do anything so that our country stops having so many fat people. It's insane. It's sad. And it's bad for everybody. Gosh. Um, gorge. Okay. The food industry lobbied the European Union, this happens there, to weaken food labeling re- regulations. And they've used marketing and all these other things to sell these products that are made in industrialized fashion, by the way. I mean, they're, they're not created like regular food is like there's the processes require homogenization and they require standardization of ingredients, which is impossible to do if you are trying to make food in uh, traditional ways, because traditional food is, is localized. Um, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. So the negatives of these problems on our culture, um, the result is people have attitudes like the lady in the video. They think they can't change. Um, they have this this very distant relationship with food. They have, you know, it used to be like 40% of America was involved in agriculture. Now it's 2%. Most people don't even know somebody involved in agriculture. We're separated from it. It's not a plant that grows in the ground. We don't even understand the process of how it, it, it comes into a can or whatever it is. You know, where's the chicken nugget on the chicken? And where's the chicken living? It's not on a happy farm somewhere. It depends on the chicken that you're getting, but it's usually not. It's usually, you know, piled on top of each other in a pile of its own feces. Uh, It's disgusting. So, you know, it's socialization, right? There's all this micro evidence. They're like, no, no, people make the choice of what to eat. You know, it's more expensive. People just choose to eat the crappier food. But look at the macro evidence. Like, just look at it at a population level the obesity has been going up forever. It's been going up for decades and decades, like the whole century. And that's not good. And I get it. Individuals still can make choices, but the fact is more and more of them are choosing to get fat as. And that's not good. You don't want that, right? I don't want that. You got to do something about that because stuff is being done on a societal level to get people to keep eating the crappy food and to continue because it's profitable for certain people. So you have to combat that because it's already happening in the other direction. The fight is happening. It's just you choosing not to join it. Um, Yeah. It's infiltrated everything. Um, You know, you go to, not that these are totally negative things because it is, it is now the reality, but it's normalized further because you go to the store and there's, Freaking! there's people, there's mannequins, there's fat mannequins, there's plus size models. There was like three years of plus size models. There were some hot ass, thick, chubby women. And now plus size models are obese women. And it's like no one is trying anymore. It's not good to be in a culture where no one's trying. That sucks. It's not, we shouldn't be putting this up on a pedestal, putting like, no, it's, it's okay. You're perfect the way you are. You can do anything. It's not the reality of the world. It's just not. It's like it's people shouldn't be taught that no matter what, they're fine. Like they're good because the world doesn't really treat them like that. And the people telling them that are usually not doing it because they care about them. I hope I'm making sense. I don't know if I'm making sense. It's very hard for a culture 
for most people to overcome what's normalized. And it requires them to go against the mainstream, which can be really isolating. So it's not good when bad things become normalized and being overweight and unhealthy is bad. And people will say, oh, you can be, you can be heavier and still healthy. Yeah, you can. Most of you aren't. It's like, yes, that's possible. Is it you? No. Look, if you're a freaking thick ass softball player and, and you got thick thighs and, and you're muscular and you're sturdy and you have good cardio, that's fine. 90% of them are not. Sorry, not sorry. It's a national security issue at this point. I mean, people are not qualified for the military because they're too fat. And then they'll, like, from their gender studies classroom, be like, oh, the military's full of idiots. They couldn't make it into college. No, anybody can go to college. You need to actually pass tests to, to join the military. You need to be in shape. Most people aren't. Maybe you don't have to be in shape to join the military. You have to be decently. Um, and the Western diet is globalized. And it wasn't created to feed people. It was created to make money. And it was created to be standardized. And when it does that, it's not, it's serving such a wide need that it really serves nobody. And this is where uh, food cultures come from. And this is what Michael Pollan gets into in this book. So, but I'm going to touch on it briefly is that, you know, cultures whose diets succeed just, it's, it's just tradition. It's just a food culture. One of these famous ones is the Mediterranean diet with like olive oil and seafood and uh, the Japanese diet as well. And, you know, it's they try to use the Western methods to just break down why it works. And they can't really get it. They don't really fully understand it. But it works. And often that's that's what happens is that, you know, they had a nutritional need in all of these places. So naturally meals were created from what they had around them to meet this nutritional need. I, I'm not telling you like the theory of this. It's like that is, I mean, th that's the evidence, that's the practical evidence of what has happened in multiple places. A food culture develops over hundreds and thousands of years and it develops to meet the nutritional needs of the people in the area based on what is available seasonally and in general. And when that happens, you create a food culture. And Western diets break, or Western science breaking it down into nutrients, they don't get it because food is not nutrients. Food is food. It's whole foods. And your body doesn't process nutrients the same way. I mean, if you get calories from like a drink, which has a bunch of sugar in it, that doesn't really exist in nature. Your body's not used to that. The details of this are, are in his book, expanded on quite a bit, but food is, it's supposed to be food and you can't break it down. They don't understand it. And they tell you that they do because they're trying to make money. Not the science, I guess not the scientists, but like the people that hire the, that like fund the studies, they get the scientists, they can get them to do 20 studies and they pick two and they don't even have to show the results of the other 18. And, and that's the way that these studies are done. I mean, if you don't believe me, Google it. Um, but these diets, we don't have one in America. There used to be somewhat of one, and there was multiple different ones that people had and brought here, and then that food culture goes away in two generations, and people adopt the Western diet, you know, once because it's not incentivized, it's not valued in our culture for people to pass on their, uh, their entire food cultures. Um, you know, it would be viewed as, like, it's a feminist thing of, like, oh, the woman's not only supposed to cook and clean and you know, like some of these, depending on where you grew up, you probably grew up with some grandmas or moms somewhere who their whole thing was cooking. 
uh, for me, a lot of Italian, older Italian women who just, that was their whole thing. They knew food like nobody's business. But that's not viewed as, like, respectable anymore. You got to be a boss bitch or something. Modern world sucks. Um, no, it's all right in a lot of ways. But, geez, I really demoralize me. Okay. So we can't understand exactly why, but we can trust that they work. Food cultures. And what we can do as Americans is, is accept fat people as individuals that they are not their body. But don't accept people being fat. Like, don't accept that for them. Have higher standards for people. Be able to admit that it is a negative thing to have extra weight on you and don't hate yourself for it because that's self-defeating too because you're not going to get better at it if you hate yourself. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to get in one of these cycles, bro. You know what I'm talking about. You need to, like, I want to live in a culture that promotes being healthy. I want to live in a culture that promotes eating good food. I want to live in a culture where, like, people care about each other and they don't, and, and even when it's hard, even when, you know, someone's too fat and like that's a difficult conversation to have with somebody but like encouraging them and helping them and you know they got to help themselves as well they have to but you can still nudge them in the right direction and and be there for them when they're ready if they're not yet (sighs) you know i got some friends that have people very close to them i'm thinking of one person specifically who might or might not be listening to this but you know his brother who he loved got really really fat He got really fat, and as a result, he died very young. And, like, that's one of my best friends, and his brother died from this, essentially. And if if someone had told him, like, it's not okay to be fat, shamed him a little bit, and there was a cultural way for him to, to get more healthy, he might still be alive, man. It's cruel. This stuff is cruel. It's bad. It, it makes people live worse. I... I, I I'm sure some of these people are happy, but all other things considered, you got to be less happy than you would if you were a little bit healthier. I don't know, man. Get rid of processed foods. I love processed foods too. I got to do better about it. I say it all the time. I don't often put it into practice. Um, You know, I'm good about other things, but I'm not good about that. Um, I'm working on it. I guess one of the things that's helped me is eating all these bananas on five till midnight. Um, Yeah, five till midnight, Monday uh, Google that. It's the other podcast we're doing with, with the boys. Um, but yeah, that's it. Five till midnight. That's when I'm eating all the bananas. I ate five bananas last time. It was awesome. All right. Uh, we're good. Bye.